Elders are God's stewards of his church. They are focused on Christ and his word. They feed and protect the flock. They are mature men who will speak the truth in love, who will warn you about threats and false teaching, who will confront you in your sin for the purpose of restoration, pointing you to the sufficiency of Christ and his word. Thanks for joining us for this weekend edition of Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt. Equipping the Saints is a daily radio outreach from Equipping Bible Church in Greer, South Carolina. And Greg, for the past couple of weeks, we've been talking about leadership in the church. And perhaps for that person listening today who's just jumping in here, they've got a lot to catch up on. You know, Dave, they really do. And there's there's a lot that we've covered in the past few weeks. And so today, I'd really just like to stop and review what we've learned so far in our study of Titus. And, and I think this will be a very valuable time to see this important truth in a condensed format. So if you have your Bibles handy, we're going to be looking at a number of passages today, but we're going to start in Titus chapter 1. Well, thanks, Greg. And if you're new to Equipping the Saints, head over to our website, etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org to learn more about this ministry and our teacher, Pastor Greg Lundstedt. Our web address is simply etsradio.org. Now, with today's message, here's our teacher, Greg Lundstedt. I'd like to begin just asking the question, what would you think of a father who would allow his children to be hurt or abused? What would you think of that? I mean, the question is obvious. You would think that person is a despicable person, a detestable person. There's almost nothing worse, it seems, as a father who hurts a child. It's an awful, awful thing. It is so contrary to the nature of what we see concerning how God is. Now, the reality is, would not a good father do everything within his power to protect his children, to care for them? And that is the reality. And those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, we have been adopted into the family of God. We now have a righteous and good father. And the reality is that there are difficulties and trials and troubles that come upon believers But we have a father who is gracious, who has warned us, who has laid forth in his word protections for his children so that they would not be injured by those who would attempt to hurt those who trust Christ. I'm talking about spiritually speaking. We have a good, good heavenly father, a gracious, loving father who has not left us in the dark concerning the threats to each and every person's faith in Jesus Christ. If you are a true believer, everything centers around Jesus Christ, trusting in him, abiding in him, abiding in Christ, remaining, trusting in our Lord. And yet there are threats to that faith. There are threats throughout. There are dangers. But God is gracious, and everyone who has a Bible has no excuse for allowing false teaching to drag them away or to toss them to and fro, to hold them spiritually captive. No one has an excuse because we have God's word, which reveals his protection for his sheep. Now, with that in mind, we see that God has laid forth a process of those who would be in the body of Christ to protect the body from those threats. And today we're going to see how God's leaders are to deal with false teachers and the impact of their teaching. We're continually praying for whom God would raise up as elders in this church. 
We're continually praying for men to be equipped, for men who would have an aspiration to be an overseer. And this passage is very crucial for a right understanding of the qualifications for those who would aspire to be overseers. So it's very important for elders. It's important for those whom God might be raising up. But it is also very important for the flock also because it addresses the dangers to the flock and how leaders are to respond to those who get taken away by those dangers. Would you turn with me in your Bibles to Titus chapter 1? And I hope you will be blessed as we are reminded of the truths concerning leadership in the church. And so again, we're going to see how are God's leaders to deal with false teachers and the impact of false teaching. And then we're going to see that we are to silence the bad guys and to reprove the victims. Titus chapter 1, verses 9 through 16 we'll look at. Now, I need to remind you of the context of the book of Titus, a wonderful book. The writer is identified as the Apostle Paul. He is writing to Titus. He calls him his true child in a common faith. It's apparent that Paul probably led Titus to Christ. He shared the gospel with him, and he is a true child in common faith. Titus was a Greek man, a faithful man, who served the Lord as evidenced by his dedication to the Apostle Paul, who was a faithful servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we see here in this wonderful introduction up to verse 5, where Paul instructs Titus to appoint elders in every city. In these new churches, he is to appoint leadership. There is a lack of leadership at this time. And then he gives the qualifications for those leaders, which we will look at in light of the threats to the body of Christ, which emphasizes the reality of these qualifications. Now we see in this point in verse 5 that he is to appoint elders in every city. And so this first chapter really deals with the issue of leadership in the church. And again, now unlike the views of so many churches who just appoint leaders in any old way, well, this person's the head of a company or he does a business, let's put him in there. God does not do it that way as we'll see God clearly lays forth by his spirit the qualifications for those who will lead his body. And we'll see that that leading is not lording over. It is a servant leadership. It is an example of faith in Jesus Christ and a declaration of the word protecting the flock. So with that in mind, let's take a look at Titus chapter 1. And I'm going to back up a little bit to verse 5, and we're going to read through up to our passage. For this reason, I left you in Crete that you might set in order what remains and appoint elders in every city as I directed you. And now he's going to give the qualifications. He's going to give those Christ-like qualifications of a Christ-like person. And he's going to share this in the context of how they deal with situations. Namely, that if any man be above reproach, the husband of one wife, or a one-woman man, literally, having children who believe not accused of dissipation or rebellion, for the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward, not self-willed nor quick-tempered, nor addicted to wine, not pugnacious nor fond of sordid gain, but hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, just, devout, self-controlled, Verse 9, holding fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching, that he may be able to both exhort in sound doctrine and refute those who contradict. For there are many rebellious men, 
empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, who must be silenced because they are upsetting whole families, teaching things they should not teach for the sake of sordid gain. One of themselves, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. For this cause, reprove them severely that they may be sound in the faith, not paying attention to Jewish myths and commandments of men who turn away from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but both their mind and their conscience is defiled. They profess to know God, but by their deeds they deny him, being detestable and disobedient and worthless for any good deed. This is the reality of what God says about bad guys and the leadership that should protect the body from these bad guys. We are naive. We are well-meaning at times. We want to think the best of people. And so often I hear in the church people saying, well, he's a good guy. He just has this problem or that problem. I love this pastor because he loves Jesus so much. But yet you see the error and the disobedience of many men. And you see the view that God shares of them for our protection. So we need to see that. It is extremely important. Now, because we haven't gone through Titus at this point today so far, I want to just review what an elder is so we have a basis for this. But remember, I'm not teaching on this. I'm giving you some bullet points of what we had studied before. And you can go back in Titus and 1 Timothy chapter 3, which gives us the qualifications for elders and understand it. But I just want to review it very clearly and very quickly. First of all, the terms elder, overseer, and shepherd, they're all synonymous You see, in our passage in chapter 1, verse 5, he talks about elders. This term is presbyteros. This is a very common word that had different meanings, as in many words that we have have different layers of meanings based on context. The term first could speak of an older person or an elder in that sense. It also spoke of the Jewish leaders, those elders like the Sanhedrin mentioned in the New Testament. It also is used to speak of the 24 elders in Revelation We see bowing before the Lamb. But it is most often used in Scripture to speak of the spiritually mature men chosen by the Spirit of God to lead the church. And that is the way that this word is being used here. It's important to realize that these terms, elder, presbyteros, that's where you hear this word presbyterian, it comes from that, elder, presbyteros, overseer, episkopos, And shepherd, poimeno, these three terms, elder, overseer, and shepherd, are used synonymously in Scripture. Take, for instance, in our passage, look back in verse 5. For this reason I left you in Crete, that you might set in order what remains and appoint elders, right? Then he goes on to give the qualifications and look in verse 7. For the overseer must be above reproach. He's using these words synonymously, elder and overseer. And indeed, we see in Acts 20, verses 17 to 28, and in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 to 4, all three of these words, elder, overseer, and shepherd, use synonymously in the word of God. They are interchangeable terms, and so you might say, well, why do we have the different terms in Scripture? And that is a really good question. Why do we have them? I think the term elder specifically speaks more of the office in a sense, the term overseer, the responsibility, and the term shepherd here very clearly speaks more towards the duty of an elder. They all are synonymous. 
Now, what do elders do? What do elders, what do shepherds, what do overseers do? Let me just share a few quick passages, and you can come back to them later, but you can mark these in your Bible and understand where we have text concerning elders. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 5, where we have Peter, the first pope. No, I'm kidding. He says he's a fellow elder, as we'll see in a second. He was humble. He did not elevate himself. 1 Peter chapter 5. Peter says, therefore, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and partaker of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight. See that elder, shepherd, oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God, not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. Not yet as lording over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd, remember, they're not the chief shepherds, there's the chief shepherd. When the chief shepherd appears, you shall receive the unfading crown of glory. You younger men likewise be subject to your elders, and all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. For God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble." They are to shepherd by example. They are to be focused on the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. We see in 1 Timothy chapter 3, besides the moral qualifications as we see in Titus, we see they are to be able to teach. 1 Timothy 3 verse 2. They are to lead by feeding the word of God. And we see this in Hebrews chapter 13. Let's turn there for a second. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 7. They are to lead by feeding. We'll see very clearly that the way elders function the body is to be sharing the word of God with you on every level, to be pointing you to Christ, to be illumining the path of how you should follow Christ with his word. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you. They led by speaking the word of God. And considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. They trusted Christ. They shared his word. They led you, pointing you to Christ through his word. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and yes, forever. They work hard instructing in the word of God. We saw this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. But we request of you, brethren, verse 12, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you, who have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction, and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live at peace with one another. They are to work hard sharing the word of God to you. We see in 1 Timothy chapter 5, turn there for a second, that there are elders who rule over you in a godly sense, focusing you on Christ by giving you the word of God. And there are also elders among that group who work hard at preaching and teaching. Not every elder preaches and teaches in that sense. They need to be able to teach. But we see that elders are to rule. First Timothy 5.17 Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of a double honor. And the context is pay, actually. Let them be considered worthy of a double honor, as you'll see. And he says here, especially those, this is a group within the group, those who work hard at preaching and teaching. Not every elder has a pastor-teacher gift. Not every elder is a preacher in that sense. 
But every elder must be able to teach, and every elder has those under his charge who is sharing the word of God in every context that the flock may be protected and built up. We saw in Acts 20 that they feed the flock the word of God and they protect the flock from threats. We'll see that today in Titus chapter 1. They are God's stewards taking care of his church. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Now, on a side note, all the qualifications for elders don't say, oh, that's for someone else. They've got to be some super saint to do this. They are all qualifications that should be that of a godly man and a godly woman. To be a godly man is the qualification, and then God gives him an aspiration to watch over and the gifting to do that. But they are all qualifications of just simply Christ-likeness and godliness. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Let's turn there together. 1 Timothy chapter 3. In Acts chapter 20, it is the Spirit of God that appoints overseers, but the Spirit of God appoints those overseers through the agency of man via the Word of God. He gives the qualifications. The Spirit-empowered Word concerning how the church is to be run, and that is how the Spirit brings forth the truth concerning the qualifications for elders. 1 Timothy chapter 3. It is a trustworthy statement if any man aspires to the office of overseer, if any men here, if God has ordained that you are to be an elder in this church or somewhere else, you are going to have an aspiration. It's not going to be an aspiration because of jealousy or pride. Some people aspire to preach. Some people aspire to be overseers because they are jealous or prideful. It's not because of that. It's because the Spirit of God gives a desire to protect the flock. A desire. So anyone aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. Obviously, it's work, right? It is a fine work. An overseer then must be above reproach. Now, that doesn't mean that they're not accused. It means that none of those accusations stick. He must be above reproach. The husband of one wife or literally a one-woman man. Temperate, prudent, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. Not addicted to wine or pugnacious, but gentle, uncontentious, free from the love of money. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. Now, folks, again, all of us parents should keep our children under control with all dignity. But an elder should be a godly man who does so. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how then will he take or how will he take care of the church of God? And not a new convert, lest he become conceited and fall into the condemnation incurred by the devil. Titus chapter 1, 7, for the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward. There is a stewardship of the body of Christ. And finally, Hebrews 13, verse 17. Let's turn there together. We could spend a whole hour on each one of these passages. They're all wonderful. You see God's great care for the flock. He cares greatly. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them. Now the implication is these are godly leaders, those who led them, who fed them the word of God, who had conduct in the faith worthy of imitation. It's not speaking of ungodly leaders who are lording over the flock, but godly leaders. Obey your leaders and submit. Put yourself under their authority. For, here's the reason why, They keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. I will give an account to the living God for how he watched over your souls. It is very serious. 
Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. And that was the exhortation that I hear often, which is a blessing. We should do this with joy. We shouldn't be grieved over you all. We should be overjoyed because you are responding to the word of God and walking with Christ. It's serious business. Elders are God's stewards of his church. They are focused on Christ and his word. They feed and protect the flock. They meet the Christ-like characteristics of Titus 1 and 1 Timothy 3. They are mature men who will speak the truth in love, who will warn you about threats and false teaching, who will confront you in your sin for the purpose of restoration, who will answer your questions and concerns, pointing you to the sufficiency of Christ and his word. That's the responsibility. They are stewards of God's church who watch out for your souls. Now, unfortunately, because the church these days is so misguided, I believe this is the biggest problem in churches today. I think if you want to nail the problem in all these churches that are messed up, it is ungodly leadership that has not protected the flock, and it is ungodly people wanting their ears tickled who have allowed themselves to be taken captive by ungodly leadership. And we see here in Scripture that elders are very clearly to protect the flock. Now, one last real quick thing. Who are the elders to shepherd? It seems like a silly question, doesn't it? Why should I even ask that question? But these days, we have churches where leaders are shepherding the world. They're bringing people on from the world, people who are not saved, spending their time trying to shepherd them, rather than, as we see, they are to shepherd the flock of God among them. It is God's sheep, those who have been redeemed by the blood of Christ, that elders are to shepherd. It is not... Those who don't know Christ, we are to share the gospel with those who do not know Christ. We are not to shepherd those in the world. We shepherd the flock of God, and very clearly it is the flock of God we are called to shepherd. Now another question, are there any chief elders or senior leaders or senior pastors in that sense or lesser elders? I don't see that in Scripture at all. I see the Apostle Peter saying he's a fellow elder. There is an equality of servant leadership across the board. There is diversity of gifting. Yes, there may be more prominence with the teaching and preaching, but that does not elevate anyone. There is an equality of servant leadership as there is in the body of Christ. We are all equal in the context of the body of Christ. There are different giftings for the purpose of the protection and edification and building of the body of Christ. Last question, how many elders should there be? Certainly there should be a plurality of elders. We see that very clearly. There is to be a plurality of elders. We see that in Acts chapter 5, appoint elders, plural. Acts 20.17, elders of the church, plural. 1 Peter 5.1, elders, plural. I assert the elders among you. The elder form of government was the norm in Scripture. When someone comes from a congregational form of government, that is a church that is disobedient to the Word of God. When they all come around and they vote about what they should do, rather than obey the word of God, it is disobedient to the word of God. And it is destructive because you lay the leadership down to the lowest common denominator of spiritual maturity, sometimes even non-believers, and God has not ordained it that way. Now, elders would be foolish and unwise not to listen to those in the body who are following Christ. But it is not up to the body of Christ to lead the body of Christ, up to Christ to lead the body of Christ and he does that through those who share the word of God the elders in the church
If you've just joined us, you've been listening to Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt. You can hear today's message again by visiting our website, etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. CDs of today's message or other messages are available at our website as well. And as a part of the ministry of Equipping the Saints, all our audio resources are available at no cost to you. Thanks to the Lord's provision through the faithful support of friends of this broadcast. To order your complimentary CD, call us toll-free 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to request your complimentary CD by email, our email address is contact at etsradio.org. Greg, as you reviewed the content on leadership, one thing's very clear. This is truth that we can all apply to our lives. You know, Dave, absolutely. As believers, we should be consistently striving to become more like Christ, to trust him more, to be more obedient, to be more knowledgeable of his wonderful truth and and to apply it in every aspect of our lives. And so whether you're an elder or, or those being shepherded by godly elders, we should be striving to live by these characteristics that are only produced as God through his word changes our hearts. As we close today's broadcast, it's our prayer that the Word of God has done its work in your life and that you've been challenged and encouraged to follow Christ more closely. If you're receiving spiritual benefit from equipping the saints, would you prayerfully consider sending a gift today? Every gift makes a difference. No gift is too small, and every dollar is put right back into the ministry. To send a gift to Equipping the Saints, call us toll-free at 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to donate online, our web address is etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. Well, we hope you'll make plans to join us again next time, right here for another edition of Equipping the Saints.